0: We're good. We're recording.
1: What have we done since we talked last time?
0: Uh, it has been exactly one week. We went to a baseball game. You got to meet our real estate agent that found our condo and then showed it to me. hmm And his wife.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice people, mm-hmm. as I expected. You have excellent judge of character, if nothing else. <laughs> I mean, you did marry me, so obviously. <laughs>
0: Um yeah, and then uh that was good. Baseball game was super fun. Uh our team won, go Rockies. Woohoo. And yeah, that was last night, so
1: so are we working our way backwards?
0: <laughs> From most recent memory. Yeah. Oh, I know a bit a really big thing that happened. Um we brought Baxter to the vet. Oh, Baxter. Which was huge. Huge.
1: Baxter hates the vet with a fiery passion I have not seen ever in my life. And every time he goes to the vet, I mean, I used to take Baxter by myself and Chris would always say, you're exaggerating. It wasn't that bad. You're overreacting. I would leave in tears. I remember one time I had to lay on top of him After he'd been giving a bunch of sedatives and we walked through the mission district like a million times, I had to lay on top of him and give him the nasal spray vaccine, whichever one that is. Is that the Bordetella? I'm not even sure anymore. And that's all we could do. And I left in tears and I came home and Chris was like, you're overreacting. It's not that bad. And then you brought him to the vet
0: on your own. (laughs) It was pretty bad. Yeah. (laughs) 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 So anyway, yeah, so... Probably anybody listening to this podcast has met Baxter because I'm sure it's only people we know. But if you haven't, he is pretty much the best. If you meet him, he's the sweetest dog. He's super well-behaved with the exception of one month where he completely disappeared and didn't listen to anything we said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jerk. he was lost in <laughs> Central Oregon. Besides that one month, he is actually pretty much a perfect dog. Definitely the most well-behaved Nicest dog that I've ever known And when we bring him to the vet He is completely the opposite of that He is the most aggressive Just like complete Jerk To every single vet we've ever brought him to I mean you can't even get near him He's like Cujo Who's that?
1: You don't know Cujo? No It's a Stephen King book about this dog That like is just Ratchet Aggressive and, yeah, secretly I think in my head Cujo, but then I don't know that many people have read that book. So just like what just happened, I never actually say it. <laughs> I just think it in my head.
0: So Cujo is the name of the dog, I assume?
1: Uh, it's also the name of the book.
0: Oh. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so we've just had really, really bad experiences at the vet. Baxter is eight years old. He, we've, we brought him to the vet the first time. Uh, the, like the day or the day after we adopted him.
1: See, he was good then though. Right. Go ahead. I interrupted you. Sorry.
0: Well, I was going to say, and then there was a, like a tragic event that changed his behavior forever and I wasn't there, but if you want to explain.
1: Okay. So we adopted Baxter from a natural disaster. He was about six months old when we got him and he'd been in a holding, facility for about 2 months waiting to see if a family would claim him after these epic tornadoes that ripped through Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, this and sorry to interrupt, but this was the Oklahoma tornadoes that was probably about 8 years ago or something right when we adopted him. Yeah. Yeah. He's 8 years old.
1: Yeah. So he was like a six-month-old puppy when we adopted him, and we went to this adopt-a-thon. I filled out like a nine-page application form to make sure that like, you know, he wasn't going to a bad home. And we brought him home, and the first thing he does, well, we took him out like a million times to go to the bathroom. And so he peed a few times. He peed in the house a few times. I mean, he was a six-month-old puppy in a new environment, whatever. So finally, he poops and there's blood, not to get too graphic, sorry guys. So anyways, I freak out, I have this brand new puppy and he's obviously really sick because that doesn't happen to normal well healthy dogs so I call the vet make an appointment we get there the vets very accusatory because he's like covered in scabs because he just served a tornado and so I gave the vet the paperwork and he was like not judgmental with me anymore and very nice and Baxter did his appointment great he had a couple follow-up appointments which is great and then a few months later he had worms we had to take him to another vet and everything was great And he's always been super behaved so we moved to San Francisco and I didn't have a job and Chris was the only one with an income and the pet shop up the street was hosting the ASPCA to do vaccines without a vet visit, meaning we could save like that $60 on a vet visit and just pay for the vaccine. So I was like, I am Little Miss Penny Pincher. If I can find something on sale or if I can find a discount, I'm gonna go for it. Like Chris can attest to that. I always find the discount.
0: And I'm, not, I'm usually the opposite.
1: Yeah, Chris will pay like more than he needs to because he has to balance my penny pinching.
0: <laughs> no, uh,
1: we just think differently about shopping and with that can be a whole other bad guest. So I bring Baxter to this Sling, We stand in line. I pay the money. And Baxter is still at this point in time. He's pretty young. He's maybe nine months old, mm-hmm. maybe. And, you know, puppies go through that phase where they want to put their mouth on everything. It's called mouthing, I believe. And he just likes to put his mouth around people's arms or hands or feet just being a stupid puppy. And so he put his mouth around this woman's arm and she freaked out, screamed at me that my dog was a biter, had one of those choke leashes on him, yanked him up by the leash, slammed him into the wall so his like, feet weren't even touching the ground and then tried to like inject him with vaccines. And things went south really quickly. Um, and he has never, ever trusted a vet since that moment he was nine months old maybe and now he's eight so it's been a very long arduous journey to keep this dog
0: vaccinated yeah i mean to we don't even vaccinate him most of the time i mean he <laughs> was expired two <laughs> two years late on his back on his vaccines in bordetella probably like what even more than that because that's like a six-month vaccine, right? So, like, yes, six, seven years behind on that or whatever (laughs) it was. Because every time we bring him to the vet, it's so bad. We have to um, drug him the night before and then drug him more in the morning. And then we have... And so he's, like, super drugged. He takes... um, I forget the name of the drugs, but um, one of them is is a sedative. The other one's, like, an antidepressant to, like, cure some of his anxiety. Hopefully. And then... Um, so every place we've been to in the past, then once, once we drug him sufficiently and basically carry him to the car because he's tripping on himself, then we bring him into the vet and then instantly he's like 200% alert. I don't know how he does it, but he's just like, on. he is completely focused again. And then the vets have to inject him and completely wipe him out, just fully sedate him as if he was going under surgery or an x-ray or something. And then at that point, they can do the five seconds that it takes to give him his vaccines and examine them and whatever. So
1: So whenever we bring him in and he's fully unconscious, we're like, do everything. Like do everything. Clip his nails. Clip his nails. (laughs) Like, I don't care what you want to do to him, but he is yours because we won't be back here for a few more years.
0: Yeah. At least three when (laughs) when we need to. And it's so, and, and, and uh, most of the time it's unsuccessful and it takes two or three visits Um, For whatever reason, most of it's because we keep moving and so we're meeting a new vet and they don't have a lot of experience with Baxter. So they want to make their own interpretation of his behavior. So we bring him in and then they need to assess his behavior and decide if if they actually do want to drug him or not and inevitably people come to the conclusion where yes we need to drug him there's no way we're going to be able to work with him, right
1: and they have like we always have our vet records forwarded so they know that other vets are doing it and we tell them and it's like they don't believe us it's like each vet thinks that they're the magic touch and that they're not going to have to sedate baxter oh we've had great experience with dogs (laughs) like this do you know how many freaking times i've heard that and i just sit there and i'm like "Uh uh-huh okay go ahead try and give him his vaccines and then come back and tell me you need to sedate him. I'm fine with that. I'll sit and wait.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we got to go to the vet, drug him up. They aren't able to do anything, so we got to schedule it again and, and and come back in and do it again. And, and it sucks because I hate drugging Baxter because it just makes me so freaking sad to see, like, his eyes get all puffy and he's It's just, it wrecks like a day and a half for him and I hate doing it. And so when we got to do it multiple times, it sucks. And they
1: still charge us for the full vet visit most of the time. I think like only one vet didn't charge us for the full vet visit. They're like, oh, we didn't actually do anything. So here, we'll just charge you for this. But most vets are like, well, you were here and you saw a vet. So clearly you need to pay the full amount. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. What did the vet do? Verify that he's alive? Yes, I could have told you that. That's not why he's here. Anyways, I get a little worked up. Sorry. (laughs) I'm like sweating. Also, our (laughs) air conditioner is not working. So not only am I worked up emotionally, I'm already sweating um, because our air conditioning is having some stamina issues.
0: Yeah. We're getting it looked at on Monday, but we're definitely, might need to top off the Freon or something. (laughs) Anyways... um, so, this is just part of going to the vet and it's time uh we moved here to Colorado It' was time to find a new vet, also we noticed Baxter has been like limping a little bit he's, he he 's lifting up his back leg um somewhat it's getting more and more frequent now to where it's like actually a little bit concerning. And he's sitting constantly instead of standing. So, cause he doesn't want to put weight on the leg. So that's a little bit weird. So that was another reason why we wanted to go to the vet. And we had all these theories as to why this is happening because he hasn't fallen off anything or as far as we know, he hasn't had any injuries. So we're like, maybe this is Lyme disease. I don't know. We heard about like inflamed joints um, because in February when we lost him, he was just like, he had ticks hanging off of him, And we and, lost him
1: in January, honey.
0: What, what did I say? February? Yeah. Okay. Wrong one.
1: So, yeah. Oh, so, actually,
0: we lost him in December.
1: We actually did lose him in December. Yeah. It was like December 29th. Yeah. So, yeah, we lost Baxter for 24 days. This could be another podcast. Those of you who know us know that our dog got lost. It was a traumatic event. The world of a social media... Uh, came together to support us. It felt, I felt for once that maybe our society was not doomed. Um, we got him back. He had ticks on him. Chris is a little weird with bugs, so I pulled all the ticks off. <laughs> um, if you've never pulled a tick off of an animal or yourself, it is it so is. gross. It's not gross, it's nerve wracking because if you don't get the head, the head continues to eat into the skin. So, but they're when they're not engorged or when they're not filled with blood, they're really, really tiny. So their heads are itty bitty. So you pull this thing off and immediately you need to like throw it in alcohol to kill it. And but you don't like it's hard to tell. Did I get the head? Did I get the head? Is it still there? And Baxter's covered in fur, so like it's not like I could go back and look and he's also like, Rah, what are you doing to me? Get leave me alone. <laughs> so like it's nerve-wracking to pull a tick off of a fluffy dog. Um yes, anyways, so I digress. So Baxter started acting a little bit strange, like sitting or
0: this is recently, yeah, recently, like
1: yeah. as of like Monday of last this week. So like usually we walk Baxter around this cute little park by our condo, and then we walk up to Whole Foods. So usually when Chris goes into the grocery store, Baxter is super attentive, will not keep his eyes off the door until Chris comes out, and then he jumps and barks and he gets all happy because Dad's back. So I noticed that a he wasn't standing as much; he was randomly sitting. And then when Chris would come out of the grocery store, Baxter would just like squeak and like keep sitting. And which is really weird. So with Lyme disease, they say one of the symptoms is lethargic, lethargia. I'm not sure if I'm conjugating that correctly. Um, So I saw this change of behavior and I looked at Chris and I'm like, oh my God, it's Lyme disease.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because also also the timing of it's perfect too, because one of our original concerns with the ticks was that there are lots of diseases that ticks can transmit one of the main ones being Lyme disease and dogs can catch it. But, but what's interesting about dogs especially is only 10% of dogs that actually uh, can. So of all the dogs that are actually have the Lyme disease disease, I don't know what it is. A vi- uh, it, it's, it's not a virus, right? What is it?
1: It's uh it's an infection. Cause it's, it's, Uh, treated with antibiotics so it's a living infection yeah
0: it's some kind of living thing so of all the dogs that actually get infected only 10% of them show symptoms or react to it in any way whatsoever so 90% of the dogs that get Lyme disease don't even really need treatment anyway it's just kind of lying dormant inside of them and in addition to that they don't that 10% that does show symptoms doesn't start showing symptoms until two to five months after they've had a tick on them
1: and we're at five months and we're at
0: exactly five months. So <laughs> we were just trying to think what kind of weird thing is going to make Baxter start acting tired and have his leg hurting. And that was just like, we thought of the ticks. Actually, I think Louisa thought of the ticks, uh, uh right away. So, um, anyway, so that's what prompted our, our vet visit recently. Yes. And, since we're going to the vet anyway and it's like super traumatic, then we decided we're going to do all of his vaccines as well. And basically anything else that we can inject inside of him during this one visit.
1: Basically we're taking him for like a good once over, you know, I don't know. Uh, There's probably some car equivalent, but I don't drive. So who knows? But yes, basically take him in, knock him out, let the vet do whatever they want to do. Just nod and smile and pay the bill at the end and then have a really, really doped up dog for the next 24 hours, which sucks. That was our plan. Yes, but
0: yeah, but uh, super exciting, <laughs> super exciting. Not so to spoil it right before we left San Francisco, we were planning on taking them to the vet anyway, yes. and we did and they did the usual thing of saying uh, we're not going to give you drugs. We need to see your dog first before we give him drugs. We brought, the, we brought Baxter in. We did the appointment. They're like, yes, we need to drug him. There's no way we can work with him right now. So, they gave us a prescription for drugs. We never went back to them because the experience sucked. But we had the drugs. So, now, for our vet visit in Colorado, we already had the drugs. This is the first time we've been to a new vet and had drugs already. And so, we just called the vet and we said, hey, how's it going? We're going to drug our dog and we're going to bring him in for an appointment. And here's the list of things we would love to get done. And, um, yeah, it was just like a really good experience.
1: From the first phone call. I don't know what made me really, really want to pick this vet. Cause when you look at vets, there's two types of reviews on Yelp. There is five star. This vet is amazing. It usually has to do with the, a dog either in an emergency situation or a dog dying. Like they were super sweet when I had to put down my fluffy or, you know, Uh, Felix got hit by a car and they saved his leg. I don't know. So those are all the five-star reviews. And then there's like the one-star reviews that are like, oh my God, I brought my brand new puppy there. And anyways, there's some like traumatic experience. So there's never like a two to three to four-star review at a vet. So all the vets in Colorado, all the vets not in Colorado, in Denver have about the same like average starring on Yelp, but something about this vet, I don't know what it was. I was like, this is the one I want to bring him to. So I sent like three different vets to Chris. I'm like, will you look these over and tell me which one you think you want to call? Cause you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. And Chris picked the
0: same one. So for me, I know mostly what it was. Was it their website? It was their website. (laughs) I have this really big thing about people having crappy websites. I just can't trust them. We were talking about this earlier today. Yeah, there
1: was an awful billboard. And I'd never trust those guys.
0: Yeah, it was like a billboard for a lawyer. And their billboard was so horrible. And I was like, if they spend this little time on their public image, I can't even imagine the amount of things that they're not thinking about when they're lawyering for me, right? It's like so, general so.
1: attention to detail. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you I really you care? appreciate
0: that. I really appreciate that. So that's what got it for me. Is um immediately uh I, yeah Yelp is kind of tricky because everybody has five star or one star is kind of just how it works on there. And um, uh, so yeah, it's it was it, it, it was good. But I I did just like look at everybody's website and I just liked their website. It was it was the easiest to understand. They had a really good about section. They have tons of pictures and um yeah they just seemed. It, they just they just had more information out there i I got to know them more than the other vets is is what wanted me to go with them
1: right and then I called and The person who answered, which is usually a front desk person, which is usually not a vet or a veterinary technician even, um, they were really kind. They actually listened to the words I was saying. They put me on hold to go confer with the doctor with what I was saying and to write down the prescriptions that Baxter had and the dosages um, that it was prescribed and to see if um, they wanted to change it or if they were okay with it and like... From the very beginning everyone actually I felt listened to. I didn't feel brushed aside like oh this is an overreacting pet owner. This is like somebody who knows their animal and they're giving us information and wants to confer with us. So they treated me like an adult, which is nice. I appreciate that, you know, in my 40s now. Can I call myself a grown-up? <laughs> um so made the appointment. They even I made the appointment for 9:30 and then she said, "Wait a minute." is it okay if we bump it back to 1030 because then you can have more time with the doctor, which is a huge gold star. Cause I had told them that he's very vet aggressive and that things are probably going to be messy. And she took the opportunity to think ahead and say, maybe I should book more time with the vet instead of just like the standard 20 minutes or whatever most dogs get, which gold stars all over like confetti. Woohoo loved that.
0: Yeah. And they, w- they basically just trusted you, which yes. is something that vets never do. I mean, they were like, "Okay, yeah, you've lived with your dog for eight years. We're just going to trust what you say and roll with whatever your game plan is." So, yeah, we just drugged him, brought him in like normal. Except the difference here is everybody came in and like everybody was on the same page. I mean, they knew they knew everything about Baxter. They had got his records already. They're like, "Hey, we know about all his surgeries." I mean, they weren't even reading anything. They just like had it memorized. And so, they just took the time to, like, learn about his background, and um, we were working with a doctor who specifically likes working with dogs, who, he he said, who, dogs who are misunderstood.
1: Which is so what Baxter <laughs> is. He's misunderstood. He's so misunderstood. All his
0: vet pictures, when you walk in and get the vet selfie, oh he's God. got his muzzle on, and he looks so, like, droopy and drugged that they're the most horrible picture ever. So awful. Um, um, so, yeah, of course, he had his picture taken with his muzzle and stuff, but um, at the end of the appointment, you know, when he was all done, we if he took his picture so he looked happy and didn't have his muzzle on yeah um, but yeah we didn't we didn't have to to knock him out I mean they spent like an hour they spent at least an hour I mean I think the total time we were there was two hours but before even doing anything they just sat with Baxter and and just hung out with him they didn't even do anything I mean they would occasionally like you know try touching behind his head and touching his legs but they just sat there and talked and, and there wasn't any pressure to actually get anything done and yeah, Baxter, by the end of the visit, I mean, he still didn't like getting his shots, but he let them give him his shots and, and, and made these horrible screaming noises while they did it, <laughs> like a little baby. But, <laughs> but he yeah. didn't need to be drugged and he wasn't barking and being aggressive. He was just like, didn't enjoy the process. Right. But... Um, it was so much better than it's ever been before.
1: So they came into the room with us. So the, we had a vet tech check us in. She brought us to the room, took down some basic information, went and got the doctor. Um, because I called initially about Lyme disease. And since I called and made that appointment, Baxter had started lifting up his back leg and not putting any weight on it, which isn't a symptom of Lyme disease. So we had talked about how probably the test for Lyme disease wasn't needed anymore. She's like, well, let me just go double check with the doctor, which again, I love this. Like, hey, we're all coming to the same conclusion here. Let's not charge us for a test that we don't need. Again, super professional. I loved it. So the doctor came in. He looked at Baxter. He looked at how Baxter was behaving in the room with Chris and I, and he's like, let me go get Uh, vet tech Amber, her and I have great results with dogs who are misunderstood. And so he brought in this vet tech Amber, she immediately just got on the floor with Baxter, just like talking to him. You know, usually vets start with baby talk, but I have to say this vet picked up on exactly how we were talking to Baxter and he repeated like all the nicknames and like all the weird words we use with him, like doodle and like buddy and like all that stuff. He like mimicked it to give Baxter that feeling of like comfort. And then they took him into the back and While they were in the back and we were still in the room, they were back there for like an hour. He came back into the room with us like three times to show us pictures. Like he took a picture of Baxter like cuddling with Amber on the ground. Like he was like putting in her lap. And just to like reassure us that like everything back there was going well, which again, super professional, lots of gold stars, lots of confetti. It was great.
0: Yeah yeah it was just a great experience all said and done vet visit was super cheap too i mean it was just perfect oh my god so now he's just taking some uh, um, some like uh, doggy ibuprofen for his leg and we're gonna see if it goes away uh, and he's all vaccinated and stuff so yeah that was good that was so good that was one of the highlights for sure yes. um and uh that was yesterday as well yes it so, was a big day yes there was a big day i, I mean so it was ba- baxter and dog or, or baxter and the baseball game and
1: the baseball game yeah
0: Um, Other things um, Well, So you have a trip coming up
1: I do have a trip coming up And
0: I'm trying to plan my own trip with Baxter For your trip
1: Well you're not going to be gone the entire time I'm going to be gone
0: No that's true Because
1: poor Parker would never survive
0: (laughs) (laughs) So where are you going? What's your trip?
1: Um, I'm going to The eastern side of Africa I will be traveling through Kenya And Tanzania With my mama um for the last 3 years, mom and I have taken a vacation just the two of us. Uh just to like cuz we don't live in the same state. We don't even really live close anymore. Um so we've just been going on these vacations. So we're going to go to we're flying into Nairobi. We're going to spend a day, a couple of days in Nairobi. Um, Then travel around Kenya via bus, and then we're going to get into Tanzania and do some more things in Tanzania. Um, There's going to be, like, an elephant orphanage and, like, a giraffe, like, preserve and some safaris, and we get to hang out with um, some traditional tribes. Right now the name is escaping me, but it's the really famous... You see all the pictures. Everyone's been there. Um...
0: African tribe, I assume. Yes, okay. yes,
1: not Native American cuz mm-hmm. <laughs> not in America. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would not, be native. <laughs> they would well, not they could, be native. They could be
0: Native American, but not native African.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not native to that part of the continent of Africa. It true, very true. Um so yeah, I'm going to be leaving on Saturday morning and then I will be returning on the 30th of july so basically i'm gone almost the entire month of july Mm -hmm. so chris is going to have to fend for himself with the mammals
0: so many camping trips this is like prime time colorado camping so know i'm missing it yeah i am so pumped um i'll think of them as scouting missions so we'll find all the good spots and then we'll just go back when you get back Because we'll still have like a month.
1: Then it gets lame because we pull up to something and I'm like, ooh, and you're like, I've been here before. Yeah, that's true. I've been here before. (laughs) Like all of Oregon. I've been here before. I've been here before. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been here before. Oh yeah, I've been here before. That was the great thing about California because you'd been to a few places, but we definitely like found places together that were super, super cool. And that is like really fun for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Oregon was pretty tapped out on that bike. I went everywhere. But But we still... Like in the truck we see new stuff all the time. So yeah. we would make, make an effort to go to places we've never been. So I don't know where I'm going, but I know that when I drop you off at the airport on Saturday morning <clears throat> um super early, Baxter and I are gonna keep going. And I and I think what we're gonna do is go to um southwest Colorado, So in the super touristy area around like um, Telluride and um, your way, your why, your, it's like O-U-R-E-Y. I know never idea. know how to say it. Never idea. No idea. Um, but there's a super cool pass that goes between those two towns and um, it's beautiful and I've, I've taken it on the bike and it, you could definitely take a truck on it. And then once you get to the other side, there's a very popular loop um, that people take all the time and, every, and and like quads and motorcycles and and um, trucks and stuff and it's called the Alpine Loop and it's got a bunch of cool passes in there too. Like I think Cinnamon Pass is one of them and Engineer Pass and um, Colorado is a mystery
1: to me, an absolute mystery. <laughs> I have no bearing whatsoever. Like I know where our condo is and I have biked to school a couple times, mm-hmm. but then we we're at the baseball game and Vinny's like, oh yeah, Boulder's like 13 miles from here. I'm like, it's only 13 miles. Like I could ride my bike there and back in a day. It's actually a little bit further from us because Vinny lives just outside of Denver proper. So it is actually like 13 miles from his house, but it's like 20 something. But anyways, Colorado seems so big and vast and yet everything seems close I don't never mind I'm it's still
0: kind of big because like uh to get to tell is like six and a half hour drive or something like that
1: right and I guess I think of it like when we would go to Tahoe and that's a six and a half hour uh-huh. drive but Tahoe's like five minutes away from San Francisco <laughs> it's just traffic so you know in six and a half hours to me just means it's like oh it's just right next door you're just stuck in traffic
0: we're just I, gonna we're gonna go to we're gonna cross the bay bridge <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna go to Oakland six and a half hours yeah
1: <laughs> So I think I'm just readjusting my perceptions of like time and space um, here. And it's, it's fun. It's fun to like explore a new place. And Telluride has this crazy reputation. It's like people talk about Telluride, like they talk about like going to like sacred sites almost. It's like a spiritual learning or that's how I'd always heard it. Like I'd heard of like people going to Telluride on like meditation retreats or like yoga things or like really getting in touch with like some sort of spiritual like medium, whether it's like plants or like movement or like hiking. And so I was saying to Chris, I'm like, so what's this Telluride place? And why is it so like sacred? He's like, it's just a hipster town in the middle of nowhere that has good coffee. <laughs> so now I have so many questions. <laughs> it's I have like, so
0: it's the, many questions. Yeah, I, I have. I don't think I've been there enough to give it a great description, but I've been there a couple of times and it's, it is a super cute mountain town, but it's very touristy and and modern. So it's got it like we could live there and be happy. I think I feel it's too small for us, but like it's got all the stuff. Like it's got a great grocery store, great coffee, great restaurants. It's, the main stretch is walkable. Everything is like brand new because of all the all the tourism and it's like a lot of mountain towns where in the winter everybody goes there to ski and then in the summer everybody's doing the the four so it's wheel like stuff. Truckee. Is it like Truckee? It's very similar to Truckee. Yeah, it's very except uh, except it's Like old Truckee. Yeah, Truckee California. It's similar to Truckee except more remote. Okay. So Truckee is like there's a lot of people, it's close to Tahoe. It you know there's a lot of people, but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's like a mountain town with lots of cool stuff, except because it's in Colorado, because the mountains are even bigger here, it's much more remote. And it really is like inspirational to be there. It, it it's very, there's nowhere that I've ever been. That just is so jaw droppingly beautiful. It's so high in the sky and these passes you can see forever. And there's lakes as well. High elevation lakes, Um, and it's just, it's just so beautiful. It's hard to describe. It's so rocky and, and, and gray, but colorful at the same time because of all the snow. So it's like you have gray rocks everywhere and then these giant green trees and, um, Oh, also, there's a lot of um, mining stuff up there, like uh, uh, unused mining stuff. Oh, like old mining that's been like... Mining equipment, like um, shacks and um, even some mines as well. And just like... Abandoned and... Yeah, just like abandoned equipment and wooden buildings and stuff. And um, so, a lot of times you'll see those like little cabins that look like they're in the middle of nowhere because they are and nobody really uses them anymore.
1: They have those up in the Cascades too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they're
1: in Washington. They're probably everywhere they're along, the yeah, yeah,
0: along the mountains. Um, yeah. Anyways, just it's just super beautiful, and it's kind of like Disneyland for off-road stuff.
1: Yeah. So I'm a little jealous that they're going to tell you, right? But I guess Chris is probably a little bit jealous that I'm going to Kenya and Tanzania. Little a bit, little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> potato, potato, right? <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm going on that trip. So I guess. I think should we tell them what we're gonna do while I'm gone? Uh, Our podcast plan, or should we let it be a
0: secret? Oh man, yeah, this is yeah. I don't know. This is uh, it's such a it's such a high production, popular podcast. It's kind of <laughs> I don't know if we want to reveal that stuff and be held up to. No, I mean it's nothing nothing fancy. Basically, Luis is gonna be gone for a month, so we do, we do want to keep this going because it's because it's fun and uh, it's nice to give updates this way um, rather than calling lots of people and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, Louisa won't be here. So we're going to try to record another episode before she leaves. Yeah. And then what were you thinking while you were there?
1: So I think what, we're gonna tr- what I'm going to try and do is internet connection, Wi-Fi, or any sort of data connection is going to be few and far between. But what I'm going to try and do is do little updates. Um, about where I am and what's going on and and voice memos on my phone. And then when I get to Wi-Fi or a data connection I can connect to, um, send those to Chris and he can work them into like a mini episode. It might not be like our full length because who knows. Um, But yeah, so you guys will be able to get real-time updates from Kenya and Tanzania.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll come up with like just a fun list of questions you can answer every week. Yeah. Just give us an update. Because I'm curious too. I want to know what's going on.
1: Right. I'll try to really. I've always thought that on these trips I take, I should journal, but I have failed at journaling for my entire life. I always wanted to be doing those angsty, teenage girls that like wrote like really dark poetry in a journal and mm-hmm. like w- like looked back years later. I am the worst. I've bought like probably hundreds of journals in my life and never gotten past page three. I even bought a journal that like has sentence starters and fill in the blanks mm-hmm. and I still couldn't keep going. Well, so, well maybe,
0: maybe don't think about it as like like a journal, but more of just like write down little snippets that'll remind you of a thing so that you could Elaborate on it further, like little reminders, more not not necessarily fully formed thoughts that somebody else is going to read.
1: Right, I did find that when I was in Indonesia, I used voice memos to record sounds. Like uh, there was uh, the sounds of the the mosques. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. When they did call to prayer, there was like one alleyway I would walk through, and there was two different mosques fairly close together, and the walls were. Cement and so their two different calls to prayer would echo off the cement walls, which was really cool. And the one mosque in the had the evening prayer call by one of the children in the community, so it was always a little kid doing the call to prayer, which Mm -hmm. was super cute. Um, And then there was like a some sports game and I recorded the crowd because it's just like so different when they are speaking in Bahasa and like cheering in a different language and they have different songs that they sing than like traditional like US sports songs. So I think I might try to do capture some sounds as well.
0: Definitely do that.
1: Because that, that, I thought those were really cool. I kept them. I still have those yeah. from Indonesia.
0: I think that would be awesome. Yeah, definitely do that. And make them long too so we can... Work them in. We'll just listen to them. 2. Yeah, I think that'd be cool.
1: Sweet, I'll do that. Check.
0: All right. Um, okay. Uh so any other important, I mean, I got some little things not really worth mentioning after Baxter. Um but yeah, how about you?
1: Um no, I mean, I finally No, I mean, I think I read like 3 books this week. So that was like, remember last week we talked about what are your goals for this week?
0: Oh, so you accomplished your goals.
1: So I, you know, I read like three books. I'm trying to save money because we've been like,
0: like hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Um, so I didn't go get a pedicure. I like did my own uh, lavender oh. with uh, glitter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, big day. Um, yeah, that was, that was my weekly goal. And I think I crushed it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um would uh would you recommend any of them or did they were were they all just only interesting to you?
1: Um I have a hard time recommending books because sometimes books that like really speak to me don't always speak to everyone else. Like there was this one book that I read that like completely moved me and I started giving it as a gift for like two years mm-hmm. and like nobody ever got back to me and said, wow, that book was really great. Thanks for giving it to me. So I've gotten a little shy about recommending books. <laughs>
0: what book was that? It's
1: called the red tent. Okay. <laughs> um, and I don't know, it just super moved me and I gave it to like eight people as gifts, like birthday gifts or like, you know, congratulations on blah blah, whatever um, yeah, nobody ever got back to me
0: what's the cliff what's the cliff notes of that?
1: um, it takes place around the time. it takes places right around Jesus's time, and it follows women of a certain Jewish tribe, and the red tent symbolizes when women would menstruate at that time they would all go into the tent and like hang out together for like a week, and it was just like. Like, hey, we're just hanging out. Because usually like women have to do all the like cooking and cleaning and childcare. But then for that one week each month, they get like a mini break and all of the amazing things that would happen. Uh, But there's, it also goes into like what the men were doing and like the time of Jesus. And like, it was just really, I don't remember exactly what spoke to me because I read this like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I just remember like the effect it had on me was so, I just felt really moved by it. Um, And plus, the books I'm reading are not actually books that I've chosen. They're off of your Amazon Kindle. (laughs) Uh, So, they're not books I probably would have, like, chosen on my own anyways, except for the educated one, um, which was actually far better than you um, led me to believe it was going to be. You were like, whatever. It was okay. You might like it because you're a teacher. Uh, (laughs) It's so much more than, like, a book that a teacher would enjoy. Even if I wasn't a teacher, I think I would have really enjoyed this book. Um, it's about like family dynamics and like the struggles of poverty and religion and isolation. So there's a lot of like big dynamics in that book. So I really like that one. But, you know, and then like there was Dewey. How about Dewey read more books? Like the mm-hmm. library cat. I don't know. It was cute. Um, cute. I mean, they're just like easy reads that I can crank through in like a day and a half. Just you know, going through like a lawnmower on that list of books. <laughs> <laughs> that was my lawnmower sound. <laughs> Clearly, I grew up in apartments. I have no Co- idea what lawnmower
0: <laughs> what lawnmowers sound like. Cookie Monster sound. Bar <laughs> 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 cookies. Um. Yeah. I mean, all, all those books on there were on that I bought were all off like Goodreads, the like recommended list and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'm not like a big reader, so I don't have opinions. <laughs> I just buy the popular stuff and read it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So cool. I I guess that's I guess that's it then
1: yeah oh but you opened up your first PR
0: oh yeah I guess. <laughs> yeah my work that's a big r- deal my, it is a big deal it's a big deal yeah so yeah it's a pretty big deal um so why this is a big deal <laughs> for those of you who don't no, Chris yeah. that super well. And what the hell is a PR? Right.
1: So Chris has been a software engineer forever, basically since I've known him, and has worked exclusively in his in a single uh, not exclusively, but has been like the rock star of like Ruby for like the last 10 years. So your new job doesn't use the language you're used to. It uses a new language that is totally different. So Chris is not only starting a new job, but he's literally learning a new language. Working with people who are on the other side of the world, so while he's awake, they're asleep. So it's been a big deal, and I'm watching him learn and like continually like plug away at this every day to the point where he finally got his first PR, PR like posted or whatever they do to it. I'm not a software engineer, obviously. <laughs> Uh, it was a big deal. It was like a culmination of like, you know, a couple weeks of like struggling to learn a new language. And, you know, programming languages are just like spoken languages. You have to muscle through some really awkward phases before you feel at all comfortable saying anything out loud. So you finally said something out loud. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah.
0: P, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. PR is uh, PR short for pull request, which is um, it's basically when you, it's really common today when you're working with multiple people on a project that you'll make changes to the code you know you'll fix a bug or you'll add a feature, and then you'll propose those changes to the to the rest of the team. That's called a pull request. This is something that GitHub invented the whole idea of what a pull request is. Um, GitHub is a place I used to work and um, so we use this uh, version control system called Git, which just tracks all the changes that you make in code and this allows you to Say, for example, uh, you know, I work at Facebook. I don't want to work at Facebook, but let's say I did work at Facebook. <laughs> and uh, I write this new feature, you know, let's say I write this feature where when you get a notification, it makes a Bing sound, you know, and I wrote that and I'm really proud and I wrote the code. What What I'll do is I'll present that code to the rest of my team in a pull request. They'll be able to look at the code and give me any feedback, maybe say like, um, hey, you know, I see the, the way that you've declared this variable. There's this uh, potential security issue here. I can see that we can stick this other object in here when maybe we didn't want to. Or or the, or I see this um, this function you wrote could return all these different things and we only want return, to return one thing. Or, hey, this line of code is just confusing. I could see that in a month from now, we won't even have any idea what this means. Mm-hmm. Can we come up with a better name for it? Um, or even stuff like, can we write tests for this? Um, you know, uh, some people don't test their code as much as they, sh- they should, so a pull request is a good opportunity to, to explain why testing is important and maybe help them write those tests, because that can be really difficult to do sometimes. So, um, because you're doing, making these changes with a version control system, if you do finally get the approval over the rest of your team and you merge it in and it doesn't behave as expected... For, you know, you've know, you probably seen Facebook go down or something behave weirdly. Maybe you click a like button and it doesn't actually like. It just dims and brightens up again and you're like, wait a minute, it didn't actually like it. And you keep pressing it like 500 times and it's not working. You know, That's a bug. So you can either fix the bug or if it's a really important thing, like say the Facebook login page isn't working and nobody can use Facebook, instead of fixing the bug, you might just get rid of those changes you introduced to get the login page working and then figure out why it didn't work. It's a way to just quickly undo changes or to see the like historical context of, of the entire code base to see how it's transformed over time.
1: It's like control Z or
0: yeah, command Z. Yeah. It's just
1: like undo. Oh my God, that didn't yeah. work.
0: Undo, undo. Yeah. And it also <laughs> it 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 also lets you tag versions. So mm-hmm. like some software you run on, on your computer, you know, you might have like um you know with a lot of web apps we don't have versions anymore. But back in the day when you used to actually install software, it had a version number associated with it that would be a specific version of the code at this time, like this is the code version 5.0. And now when we add a new feature, now it's version 6.0. And so version control allows you to snap, make snapshots of those, those periods of time. Anyways, all that is to say, um, I, with this new job learning this new language called Elixir, which is a very exciting language if you're a programmer, check it out, it's really cool the way that it works. Um, I finally opened up my first pull request, so I finally wrote my first feature and and the team is looking at it now, so that was kind of exciting. I had to learn a lot of stuff to get to that point and um, including you know just getting the project running and getting familiar with just how elixir works and how people how the code usually looks when people are writing it that 's a big thing, too is just getting familiar with how people write their code, not just the right way to do it, but just how it looks so like the you know if you write a write a book. In English, you could write it and people can understand what it's saying, but then there's also the side of making it beautiful or making it look like a a certain type of book. You know, like a romance book is written a certain way and a, and a um, Stephen King book is written a certain way mm-hmm. and they both use English, but they're both, you know, they're, it's a, a recognizable way of writing English. So that- Right, that, like
1: the difference between like a novel and like a poem or like a short story and yeah. a poem. Like so, poems can go on for like 10 pages. Yep. That doesn't make it a short story. But when you look at the page and how it's written, you can immediately say, this isn't a short story. This is a poem.
0: Right. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same. So with a language like Elixir, which is the language I'm using now, you can write something that works. But there are a whole bunch of ways to write that. And you want to write it in a way that people are familiar with so that when they look at your code, they can almost not even read it and understand what's going on based just based on how it looks and how it flows and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that was a big, that was a big thing for me. I still suck at it, but um, I'm uh, improving by the day. So. It's super fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's very super fun to watch. <laughs> it's very because exciting. I'm home all day and Chris
1: works from home. I get to like... Listen to him talk to himself, uh, and, to and other people, and to other people. And then uh, when he does something, he's like likes. There's usually like a little like clap or something, and you know, and then he tells me about it. Although now your office is a little bit more secluded.
0: A little bit, yeah. <laughs> we got we got some uh, like acoustic separators. Yeah, there's, which is super fun. This room is still huge, so there's still a really big echo, I think. But um, these. These, uh, there's basically these stand up panels. They're like six feet tall. And I actually don't know how tall our ceilings are, but they're very tall. Do you know? I think they're 15, 18, 20 feet, something like that. Well, in like the that. kitchen,
1: I think they're like 20 something. Yeah. But here, I don't, yeah, they must, they must be like 15.
0: Well, because if you take two of these and stack them on top, it still is not going to reach the top, right, right? right? Yeah. So it's probably like 15 or something. Anyways, so there's still sound that travels above it. It's not like a, a completely separated room, but it is kind of nice to have like a little space um, to hang out in all day, a little bit more separated.
1: Yeah. I think it gives a a more feeling of like an official workspace as Mm -hmm. opposed to an extension of like our living area. And then when you're doing video calls, I can just hide, like if I'm still in my pajamas and then your coworkers don't see me walking around in my pajamas, Yeah, (laughs) like I know they don't really care, but. I still care. <laughs> I should get over the fact that like most of your coworkers have seen me in pajamas by now, but whatever.
0: <laughs> whatever. They all got babies and dogs and whatever, yeah. so they all got their own thing going on. Part of the thing of working from home, you right. get to learn way more about your coworkers than you usually do. What like including what they eat, yeah. what they drink, uh, what they look like right when they wake up or right when they go to bed. Especially with this new job with the time zones, I'm taking like I'm doing meetings at six or seven in the morning or six or seven at nine and so people people are in all kinds of weird states of their day yeah um, it's pretty interesting to see super fun
1: um, do we have time for our, a random question a first date question one of my random first date questions uh, or
0: should we just wrap it up we can I don't know yeah let's do one it's only been half an hour we could squeeze it in
1: oh, okay yeah, yeah for sure it seems like it's been a lot longer maybe because I'm sweating yeah. profusely <laughs>
0: me too oh my gosh it's, it's <laughs> almost 90 degrees in here right now so
1: um <laughs> Let me look at these for a second. Okay, so this is fun. So for people who don't know Chris and I super, super well, Chris spent middle school and most of high school in Japan. Sasebo, so Japan. Yeah. Sasebo, so Japan. So a lot of American pop culture during those years are a little bit lost on him, which is is both hilarious and frustrating to me because I feel like I really absorb a lot of pop culture even though I'm not cool at all. I just am like a sponge for that kind of stuff.
0: So what well, but, but I will say during that period of time the funny the fun thing about living on a naval base in Japan is Yes, you don't have access to American pop culture, but you still have television and you still have radio. It's just that it's all created by people who live on the base, <laughs> including a majority of the TV shows. So Wait. like, so like the commercials and, and some of the shows that you watch are, are literally made by sailors who are just doing in the evenings when they get home from work for fun it's like the craziest thing
1: didn't like the tv shows that were american weren't they like a couple of years behind Or oh, like yeah. a couple like you were basically watching nick at night
0: oh yeah definitely like,
1: <laughs> but not realizing it was nick at night
0: <laughs> yeah it was uh, they mailed they so bases in the united states would mail vhs tapes to the base in Japan, and they would play the tapes on repeat on the channels, and then they would cycle them out, and actually, my mom had her own system going where she had with her mom, with my grandma, uh, my grandma would mail my mom tapes every week of Young and the Restless, And so she would pop those in the VCR and watch Young and the Restless and then return the tapes and then override it with the new copies of the show and then bring it back in again.
1: The postage must have been outrageous. Yeah, it
0: was great. The theme song.
1: Um, so with that preface, the question that I chose for today is what fad did you never really understand?
0: Oh, that's tough. So you have to pay attention to fads for that to be a thing.
1: I know, which is why I think it's funny.
0: Um, hmm. one that I did not understand. Yes. So I, I, I understood the baggy pants one. I participated in that. Um, I understood and participated in the overalls one. Oh, I did too. And the one strapped down.
1: Oh, obviously. (laughs) Duh.
0: Um, The big chains around the neck was a thing too. I participated in that.
1: Didn't you wear like bike chains though? Or no, it was the chains off of like...
0: I wore air conditioner chains. (laughs) So that that, the... (laughs) the the base on Japan. So when you're on a base, if you've never been on a naval base or any other base, it's it's it it is a military compound, and all the buildings look the same, and the housing, all the buildings look the same. They look like barracks, basically. Mm-hmm. So every single building had the same air conditioner unit on the outside, and on that air conditioner unit was this giant chain that hung down, which was like an emergency chain for like, I don't know what it was. It was like if the bolts came out of the AC or something, then the chain would catch it. But my brother and I would go around the base and remove the chains and make (laughs) necklaces out of them. And give those to people on the base. We didn't sell them, but like we wore them and we gave them to our friends and stuff.
1: It's like stealing shit and then like waving it around in the air. We're like, I stole this. Oh, here, do you want something I stole? Everyone like like, knew that their chain was disappearing. And then here are the Hunt brothers. Well, no.
0: Redheaded gangsters. I'm not convinced anybody did know because it's not like it was their house. It's like, it's just a, it's a, it's naval housing. It's a barracks. Like nobody cares about their chain on their AC. Like I don't even know if people knew they had a chain on their AC um uh Baxter's attacking the cat right now
1: I I can hear the nails like on the hardwood floors come here Bax come on leave Parker alone she's old
0: um okay so fad that I didn't understand um I
1: can say I did not understand the air conditioning chain fad which was only a fad for you but
0: (laughs) 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 um I feel like it's got to actually probably be a current fad if I had to pick one, okay.
1: There, there was no time limit on this.
0: Um, what, what is a recent one?
1: Oh, hey, buddy. Oh, is that your hedgehog?
0: So one. Um. Uh, um. Oh, so Snapchat is that a fad? I don't know if that's a fad. Is that a thing?
1: I mean, fads are like short-lived. Fortnite
0: I, is that a fad? <laughs> still going strong. Free video, free multi, massive online video games. <laughs> is that a fad? I feel like that's a fad. But um, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, I forgot what it's called. There's it's a genre of of massive amounts of people playing in the same game. It's the new one, Legends 56, or something. Uh, Legend, League, no, of G- Legends? League of Legends. League that's of Legends. That's the new yeah. free one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, for me, the fad, and this was a fad when I was in high school and it kind of faded for a little bit, but it's back like wildfire, acrylic nails. I don't get it. I've tried them. I tried them in high school. I really tried to be cool. Like I used to put in a lot of effort. I feel like the more effort I put into being cool, like the less cool I was. Um, and I got them a few times, mostly for like dances they are the most uncomfortable, like, annoying things. And they get, like, the stuff that collects underneath them. Oh, my God. Like, I'm not a germaphobe, but that's disgusting. And especially in San Francisco, like, the super long, I think they're called casket nails, where they're actually in the shape of a casket, are huge. And the, like, really, really, like, like um, Dolly Parton, like, fake lashes like one of my students would be like, "Oh, Miss Hunt, you'd be so much cuter if you got lashes." and I was like, "Oh honey, I'm not paying the money for that." And he's like, "It's true, they're expensive. You know like <laughs> <laughs> I guess like these like uh artificial body parts is that the right word for that are really weird to me. I don't get it. I don't get it at all.
0: Well, pretty soon we'll be able to replace other body parts, I'm sure
1: I mean so.
0: Cause legs, I taught anatomy arms. and
1: physiology at the end of like the year when we like studied the entire body. I had students research technology in human body and how we were altering the human body with technology. So there's like contact lenses that let you see really, really far. Um, There's obviously like the cochlear implant that allows deaf people to hear stuff. That's really awesome. And then, you know, we're looking at different types of prosthetics that allow people to actually who have had leg amputations or were born without fully formed legs, allow them to actually run faster than a person who has regular human legs because the prosthetics can be formed in such a way. And, so there's a lot of cool things you can
0: do to that last one was a is a recent uh wasn't there a recent issue with that or someone actually I feel like this just happened in the in the uh, a recent Olympics.
1: It was like seven years ago.
0: This was seven years ago?
1: Yeah. Um, How come what's I his just name? started he's from, hearing about it? So, I believe so someone he's participated.
0: From, there's there's the there's was this the Olympics?
1: It was the Olympics. He's a double amputee. Mm-hmm. Um Oh my gosh, I, my, I think it's the heat because I can't, I cannot think. Um, I'm going to Google it really quick while I'm talking. So he participated in the Olympics um, with a, his w, double amputees, a runner, um, Oscar Pistorius. I'm probably totally murdering his last name. He's a South African sprint runner and he's a double amputee. So he has uh, these super cool, they, I don't even know what they look like. They look like bent forks like yeah, the butter fork
0: the, the one that come that it comes straight down and then bends backwards scoops backwards like a yeah, spoon yeah it
1: scoops yeah. and and so he's like uh he participated in the Olympics with his uh prosthetics as a spo- as opposed to participating in the special olympics or the invictus games which is for people who have disabilities or um like uh, prosthetics, or some 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 sort of like limit limiting factor. And I, I don't want to say these people are limited because they obviously, if you if you watch Special Olympics or the Invictus Games, there's nothing limiting about these people. So um, anyway, so he was this great Olympic runner, and then uh, now he's in prison because he killed his girlfriend on, on Valentine's Day. The stories vary. Um, But being a double amputee, his argument was that he thought there was an intruder. And because he didn't have his prosthetics on, his fight or flight instincts basically were at a higher level because he felt really vulnerable without his prosthetics because he couldn't get up and run or walk or like escape. So he ended up killing the intruder with a gun and it ended up not being an intruder but his girlfriend in the bathroom her family says it was murder he says it was self-defense there was a long trial he's in jail I believe now he was convicted Uh, but yeah I don't
0: oh so him racing happened a while ago the murder happened recently which is why it was in the news
1: yeah I mean that happened like even like three years ago I think
0: okay anyways yeah that that, that's an interesting topic because like um,
1: 2015 he was a runner in the summer Olympics so that was four years ago
0: okay that's kind that of recent. That is kind of recent. How often is the Olympics? It's only like every few years, every, right?
1: Every... Well, the Summer Olympics are every... The Olympics are every two years, but they alternate.
0: So, four years. Yeah. So, the last Olympics.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Huh. How about that?
0: Um, yeah. So, interesting. Interesting. I mean, I don't want to lose my legs, but some people say that, the, you know, the way that that particular prosthetic works is it has more... Potential I mean, energy than your legs are able to produce, yeah, and so it's actually an advantage, which is interesting because he doesn't have legs. I mean, who the hell wants to lose their legs to run right. faster? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to equalize these things. It's the same with the steroids argument. Um, there's a woman who is doing powerlifting now. I do not. Remember, I don't remember her name. This is something I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, and he always talks about this crap, but. Um, <laughs> she has a very high level of testosterone naturally. And so she's able, to, she's just very muscular, like almost to the level of a man. Yeah. But if you look at her, the you know, the way that we would define a man and a woman in a competition context, she's definitely a woman. Mm-hmm. However, she has an amazing amount of testosterone that she produces naturally. Mm-hmm. So she's at this ad- strange advantage, but you can't just say, you know, it's hard to define like what what is how do we equalize all these people, you know, if one person's wearing a prosthetic, one person's not, should they be allowed to compete against each other? I don't know. It, it, you know, it's like the man versus woman line, it's kind of arbitrary cuz it's a spectrum. I mean, right. there's not one man, there's not one woman, it's a it's a you know we can we can depending on how you define that you can certainly draw a line but even then on like an on the sense of how athletic is a person there's a massive spectrum there's so many women that are so much stronger and faster than many 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 men even perhaps a majority of men but yeah it's just like trying to make it so that people can still compete even though they're not as good as the best person you have to create these like um these buckets of people somehow right. I guess
1: and it's like the thing is if, if this runner with the double amputees or this woman powerlifter with the extra te- with the higher than average levels of uh, testosterone if they were winning every single event by leaps and bounds then I think that the committees who run these competitions would come together and have a discussion but if you look at Athletes who are like this, and even this is branching out into the transgender community as they they are becoming more um, accepted in different areas. Um, they're not hiding anymore, and now there's actually um, athletes um, really, really good athletes and the thing of it is is it is a spectrum for both uh, for the for the human race it doesn't matter like what your x y chromosomes say it doesn't matter how you identify. Mentally, you're still part of the human race and there's a huge spectrum. So if transgender athletes were winning a hundred percent of every single competition, then there would be an argument put forth. But as it is, they're not actually winning every single competition. They're not even winning like uh, a certain, like an extra percentage. So it is just a spectrum and it is really, um, it's fun to see, like, us start breaking down some of our hard and fast barriers, but that kind of goes beyond, like, the whole um, prosthetic, altering the human body. I guess transgender can be considered altering the human body. That's not the assignment I gave my kids, so I keep thinking <laughs> it back into the assignment that I gave my students, I which think, was, like... I think also
0: it depends on what... On, 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 I, I don't think transgender means taking... Um, I don't think it just, it implies you're gonna take uh, hormonal supplements. I think it's just- It does. Oh, it does? Yeah. Okay, that's part so of the definition? You,
1: so yeah, if you are a transgender person who has fully transitioned, you have had the surgeries or you've begun the surgeries and you've lived for, before they allow you to do the surgeries, they, you, have to li- you have to go through X amount of years of uh, therapy and then you have to live as that preferred gender for X amount of years with hormones. So you can't just go in and one day and be like, "I've decided this isn't working. I want to change." It's a it's really really long process, Um, and it does involve like all the surgeries and the hormones. So, um, like if you are if you were born when when, when, when you
0: say. what what pros I, I was talking about just like the label of saying I'm transgender. I don't think that means that you need oh, to. Oh,
1: I was thinking about it from like an athlete standpoint. Oh, if you okay. if Got you were it. born X Y male, yeah, and you have transitioned to female identity with female hormones and female uh, secondary sex characteristics, and you're competing as a woman in say I don't know gymnastics or track, like the, that person as a transgender. Uh, person has fully transitioned to the other gender Um, whatever that means for that person because now there's like people are saying well you know I'm like I don't fit in this box or this box or this box or this box I'm kind of in this gray area in between which is you know we're all in the gray area in some places but yeah for like my students in high school because they're not 18 they can't consent to. Hormone therapy or surgeries with other families, they can identify as transgender. And, you know, then, you know, I ask what their preferred name is, what their preferred pronouns are, um, and go from there. And then they work through that with their family, their community, their support system, their medical professional, like whatever, wherever that takes them through their journey. So I guess it depends upon how you're looking at the term. Is that part of the
0: education now? Because yeah. okay, it is now. Yeah. Maybe when I had sex ed, that was definitely not like never discussed ever.
1: We have the gender unicorn uh, that we talk about gender as both genetic and uh, I how you identify. Um, also, I've heard,
0: I've heard of it differentiated as sex and gender. Do you talk about that as a different like sex being the bio, biological definition, and then gender being the identity part?
1: Right, and but then that you can also break down gender into like. Um, who you're attracted to sexually and then how you see yourself as an individual. And then there's this area, a lot of people, um, it's been building, bubbling up more and more. Um, it's like non-binary where you might be a man and you're primarily attracted to men, but the term gay doesn't really fit you. There's like so much more to how you identify with the world around you. And it's kind of just become like this non-binary. I'm not a one, I'm not a zero. I'm like in this space in between. Does that make sense? Sure. And so in high school at San Francisco Um, Where I taught last year, I taught health for the first time ever, which is really weird. Um, But they have the gender unicorn and it is basically five different... Aspects of how you identify with the world around you. It's
0: called the gender unicorn. Yeah,
1: it's a unicorn, and they use the unicorn because originally there was it was called the gingerbread man, and they just kind of tried to find something that isn't.
0: Like, <laughs> doesn't have da- doesn't, doesn't have literally a have like a gender right in, and, in the name, and, yeah. but except
1: for the the gender uh, u- gingerbread person. It wasn't a gingerbread man. It was a gender gingerbread person was actually created by male doctors and it still looked like a male gingerbread man. So then the LGBTQ there's other letters that I can't remember right now, um, came up with the gender unicorn and it takes basically five different aspects of gender and sexuality and it breaks it down into like a spectrum. And it's kind of fun. I like the gender unicorn.
0: I mean, I like unicorns. I'm I'm confused why you even need an animal, but...
1: Um, Because it helps kids understand that they don't have to be in this box or this box. Uh It lets them know that there's like a sliding scale. Like I am primarily left-handed, but there's a lot of things I do right-handed. So Mm -hmm. I can't say that I am a left-handed dominant. I'm a left-handed dominant person, but I still do things with my right hand, which means... If I had to go through a survey and check if I'm left-handed or right-handed, I would check left-handed, but that doesn't really fully identify who who I am as a person. Like if I had to do this for like a job and then all my school supplies, all my office supplies were given to me as a left-handed person, I can't use left-handed scissors because I cut with my right hand. Right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm not I'm non-binary in my which hand I am dominant in. So that's kind of the same way with Sexuality and gender and gender identity, and all these other aspects that, you know, drive us.
0: So it's presented as uh, male, female, and there's a unicorn. huge
1: spectrum in between. No, because unicorn would be a third box. There's male, and then there's female, and then there's this huge space in between, and you can fluctuate in between that as however you feel. Uh,
0: no, I mean uh, in, in the in, in the specific example of this unicorn, how is this displayed to the class? I'm just super curious. So, so it's is a it, is it, is purple it like, unicorn. Is it like this? Is is this like I know? But uh, so how do you get there? So <laughs> this, so you're like this is this is a man. This is a woman. Also, there is this spectrum. You don't have to be one or the other, and you can then call yourself a unicorn. So
1: that's where, like, the gender, the five parts of gender and sexuality come in. So you have the giant purple unicorn, and the unicorn is genderless, right? It doesn't have a penis. It doesn't have, like udders horses have I don't know unicorns aren't even real I'm pretty so sure like, horses don't what Actually, you like what yeah, do female horse, horses horse. like nurse with I don't know <laughs> I don't know that much about horses so anyways it's just a big like care bear of a unicorn right there's nothing between its legs there's like it's just genderless and then it breaks down like how do we define gender and sexuality so the first part is what does your DNA say is it are you xy male are you xx female or are you intersex and intersex is this huge other component that encompasses many different chromosomal differences xx and xy are what we say are man and woman but there's actually like pretty good portions of the population who in that chromosome spot are not xx and they are not xy They are intersex, or they might be XX or XY, and their hormones that their body produces don't support that gender or that uh, DNA sequence. So they might present as female when they're born, and then when puberty hits, all of a sudden they their clitoris like enlarges and it looks like a penis. And these this population is right now is called intersex, and it encompasses huge. differentiation in that type of chromosomal, hormonal gender. So it starts there because when you're teaching 14-year-olds, they're still kind of in that black and white Mm -hmm. unless they have encountered a difference in their own family or within themselves, right? So most kids are like, you're either a boy or a girl. What's the problem? So when you... start it by talking about intersex they get really curious and they want to know more they're like what are you serious i thought it was either this or this it's like no it's not ketchup or mustard there's also barbecue sauce and mayonnaise and butter like you know you have to like, start and re- like don't
0: forget relish don't
1: forget the relish yeah. right it's got, like, so, it's got like texture so you start there and then when they realize that nothing is black and white that there's all this stuff in between it starts opening up ideas as to like you know, I might really mostly be attracted to men, but there is a, like there are certain women that I've met in my life that I've been attracted to. Not every women, woman, and it's not even always sexually. It's just, like, different. So we can talk about, like, how you don't have to, f- like, try and fit yourself into a bubble that doesn't fit you. There is no bubble. We're trying to break the idea of you are here. This is who you are. You have to subscribe by everything here, like the left-handed checkbox, like... Left-handed things don't all fit me. I need some things to be right-handed. That type of thing. So that's the gender unicorn. And I don't remember all the five parts of the gender unicorn because I only taught health once.
0: One of them is a horn.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't actually go through like the parts of the unicorn. <laughs> the gender unicorn is just like a, like way too uh broach the idea of like something not fitting into exactly what you expect it to be Mm -hmm. right it's not a rhinoceros it's not a horse it's not a narwhal it's a unicorn (laughs) wow that that just was a whole tangent right there
0: yeah how did
1: we even get there
0: i don't i don't even know we will have to go back and listen that's how these work i guess it's just us talking for an hour, and mm-hmm. then we turn it off. Um, yeah. after after ten minutes of updates. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, is there anything else you want to say before we cut this off? And um, yeah, anything else?
1: Um, no. This is. I was actually dreading this today. I've been so tired from the heat. <laughs> yeah, I was dreading this. this. Is actually. It was actually really fun. Again, I really, really, I love this. Yeah, this this is, is so much super fun. fun. I can't believe I fought you for so long on doing this like podcast together. Yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, good times.
0: We kind of do this anyway, we're just recording it.
1: Yeah, sort except of.
0: Except usually I argue with you more.
1: Chris but. will find a soft spot on me that he knows, and he will purposely pick at it. And if I counter what he says, he's like, what are your sources? How do you know? <laughs>
0: I, don't, I don't always ask like that. I just I'll, like you'll say, you'll say <laughs> something like, you know, they said this and I'll just, you'll I'll be just like, clarify to say who's they? Who's they? I just want to know who this person is. The me. problem
1: is, is that he usually picks these times to have these discussions, I will say, maybe debates, usually on our last dog walk of the day, mm-hmm. like right before bed and and I don't know how many of you get home from work and are completely and totally drained, but like as a teacher making like thousands of decisions with hundreds of kids all day long, I am usually like a a mental zombie. And then right when I'm about to go to sleep, he wants to like have these really, I find them like combative and like, Mean and he just likes to pick at me and he thinks they're hilarious and like there's some days where I just look at him I'm like I'm not talking to you I'm ignoring that you're standing next to me because I can't do this right now.
0: (laughs) Now in my defense, especially when you're when you're not on summer break when you're teaching, the only person I talk to all day is Baxter. (laughs) So by the time you get home, I have not talked to another human for the entire day and we'll go do grocery shopping and I'll probably talk the entire time and then we'll come back and we'll eat and then we'll watch a show and then now we're walking the dog and I'm still fully activated whereas you have, you are depleted. So we are on slightly different schedules in terms of talking.
1: That's why it's so good for you to belong to a CrossFit gym Mm -hmm. that requires you to interact with other human beings. Right.
0: It's a very social workout.
1: It's a very social workout and it gives you that little bit during the day and then, and then it doesn't fall solely on me. Baxter, get out of the bathroom. No eating cat poop. Baxter. <laughs> Sorry, Baxter has a cat
0: poop eating problem. Yeah, it's pretty gross, but helpful. He cleans out the litter box.
1: No, it's not helpful. <laughs> it's not because that do you know the other night i called him out of the bathroom and he walked up to me while i was laying in bed he was still chewing poop he was like i i didn't even know what to do i just rolled over (laughs) he's so gross
0: all right let's end this okay we're ending okay cheers have a great week, week everyone bye bye